0: the Athletic. Totally football show. Today, League Cup goes full East End gangster with shootouts and someone getting done in with hammers. We round up the last 16 results. Weekend Premier League. Halloween weekend as Spurs receive visitors dressed as Red Devils and journos reach hungrily for binary metaphor of delight and despair. Meanwhile, Little Norwich Not a Dangerous Thing department, we check in on Winter in the Canaries. Too good to stay down, too bad to stay up. All that and more stuff about football in this Totally Football show in association with Paddy Power. Hi, listen, thanks for joining us. We've got revved up and ready to roll Duncan Alexander of Opta.
1: Hello, James.
0: All right. Also with us, Charlie Eccleshire out of The Athletic. Hi, James. How are you doing? All right. Yeah, very well. Thank you. And uh, ooh, Robin Cowan of Match of the Day and BBC Oxford. All right, Robin.
2: Hi, James. Thanks for having me.
0: No, thanks for you know being halved. Uh, <laughs> nice to get some balance as well after you know all the relentless weeks of Duncan's pro Wickham chat. <laughs>
2: wow. well, is this a real? This is we've got to discuss this, Duncan. Haven't we? Is this a proper rivalry? What is it from your end? Um, well.
1: We always get Oxford fans saying, "No, we only we only don't like Swindon." So, but then you, <laughs> you didn't seem very happy when we beat you in the playoff final. So I don't know. Well, I think that's
2: understandable, isn't it? That's, that's fairly understandable. Um, yeah, and no, I, th- I think since then it, the rivalry's gone a little bit further up. But right. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. It's not quite
1: it, River Bocca yet, but it's on the way.
0: Mm. <laughs> Crikey, that simmering tension mm. going to be right through today's <laughs> show. <laughs> A a show which will begin by saying, uh, well, giving a salute to another giant of the British game who passed away this week, Walter Smith, who died on Tuesday at the age of 73. If trophies are a measure, he won 21 with Rangers, including 10 league titles. He also led the club to the UEFA Cup final in 2008, their first European final for 36 years. But maybe a better measure is the, the huge outpouring of affection, that uh, he received this week from everyone who knew him, people of all sides of the game, at Rangers, Everton, Scotland, or even Man United, with whom he had that successful spell. And also, um, you probably saw that Darren Fletcher uh, interview this week where he credits Walter Smith with basically inventing the modern Cristiano Ronaldo.
1: Yeah, in a very kind of British coach sort of way of just not allowing fouls in training so we're now right. battered ankles and learn how to play properly so
0: yeah mm-hmm. warm down to earth but also real still to him that's the image I get anyway in happier news this week you'll also have seen 21 year old Adelaide United a midfielder Josh Cavallo uh, coming out in an emotional video on Instagram there's something personal I need to share with everyone I'm a footballer and I'm gay. Well done, him. Do you, Do you think, because this is now being hailed as the first the first openly gay active footballer? Although I'm pretty sure that Glenn Eisen's, uh son came mm-hmm. out in Sweden a few years back. I think it's top flight, isn't it? Okay, there was top also flight.
3: Andy Brennan in Australia a couple of years ago.
0: Okay, all right. Did you do you think that this will? that this marks a kind of that we're going to see a gradual cuz I'm guessing there are other people who would feel more comfortable being open about how they like to live their lives but um, do you think this is going to lead to gradually this this kind of war falling down
3: I think there are a lot of things with this I mean hopefully the the initial reaction which has been so positive will be encouraging but it's hard to you know obviously everyone's experience is different but also we won't really know what the reaction has been until the weeks months pass um you know after just the initial reaction and also a lot of that's on social media it will be interesting to see then uh, and, and you really hope it will be positive all around and, t- and Brennan who I mentioned there I spoke to soon after he came out and he said it was so so positive actually um you know from fans and from teammates and all of that so you just hope that that is the case and then that makes people feel uh, more comfortable uh, about doing this
0: Absolutely. So he didn't experience any kind of backlash afterwards. No, he said not. He said
3: the um, the the, occasionally he'd have teammates who would say who would make homophobic comments instinctively uh, in a kind of locker room way, which is obviously, you know, pretty uh, deplorable. But he said it was never. There was never anything aimed at him. And often people would say things and then realise and stop themselves and be like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry, you know, kind of realise what they'd done. But no, he said um, from fans and from teammates, it was all just, yeah, really positive. And, uh, and, and and then, yeah, he felt obviously extremely liberated by doing it. And the, the, the challenge, you know, it is just very different for everyone. And, and I remember speaking to a tennis player who'd come out and he actually came out Uh, after he retired and he said it is challenging because not everyone has a kind of advocate personality and invariably what happens is if you are one of the very few uh, people to be openly gay everyone wants you to speak for the community and you know champion uh, equality and that other people should do this and you might not have that kind of campaigning advocate personality that's almost expected and demanded of you so i just think there, there are kind of myriad challenges here for anyone um mm. you know but but it's amazing it's it's such a brave thing to do and and yes yeah, only the initial reaction has been heartwarming
0: all right well hopefully a, a step towards uh, the day soon when this is in no way a story very good uh, also coming out this week Eight whole teams in the Carabao Cup. Leeds, Preston, Burnley, Stoke, Brighton, Saints, QPR and Man City. Let's hear about that next. You're
4: listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
0: Huge Carabao Cup shocker this week. City, Man City, winners of the last four League Cups, unbeaten in the competition for the last five years, knocked out by West Ham, 5-3 in a shootout at the London Stadium. Phil Foden, the only player to miss from the spot, putting his spot kick wide. Crikey. All right. We didn't see this because TV Supremos thought Preston North End against Liverpool was better. But we know someone who did, and that is stop, hammer times, Benji Laniado. Benji, how was the game?
5: It wasn't great. Uh, it was fine. It was, um, it was basically both of our, both of our B teams, And the extraordinary thing about West Ham at the moment is that our B team's pretty good. We were sort of hanging on at the end, I think, from about 75 minutes onwards. West Ham had clearly decided that penalties would be lovely, thank you very much. Um, And then the penalty shootout was flawless. And and Mark Noble had his sort of slight uh, Stuart Pearce 1996 vibes, um, you know, demons Mm. put to bed, thumping his fists at the crowd. Uh, Craig Dawson did his sort of best Harry Maguire impersonation and just smashed it in. And I think the poor old Phil Foden, who it was who missed for them, we scored all five of theirs and, and, and through we go. Yeah, great fun.
0: Brilliant. All right. I mean, you'll have noticed that that's now seven winning results, although technically this was a draw, etc., in your last eight. And clean sheets in your last four.
5: Yeah, it's everything seems to be working at the moment. And actually, that's, that's probably quite a good place to start, is that Dawson and Diop are our kind of cup defenders, whilst like Wanner and Zuma are our league defenders. And they're both they're both doing magnificently. I think... The, the, you know one of the subjects during the rounds in you know online West Hamland is is asking the question is this you know the best West Ham team of the Premier League era um and I, and, I, and I think you know well the best, best west Ham squad certainly I, th- I think it, it probably is um you know other candidates are the, the 1999 decanio team. Um, and then the 2016-17 pi a team but the thing that is really extraordinary about this team is there's there's no stars actually there's not a decanyon there's not a pie i mean maybe declan rice falls in, in, in into that um into that bracket but um the whole squad are pretty backable at the moment and even um young ben johnson who's been deputizing for for Sufal over the last little while is is showing that he's actually a a damn good defender. And we're just showing that we've got an actual squad at the moment and and depth in in most positions.
0: You're daring to dream, aren't you? What does your Uncle Jeff coefficient say these days? Or has it been completely skewed by the fact that it's been a while that you've been putting together really, really good results?
5: Yeah, the Uncle Jeff coefficient is currently a big fat zero. Uh, We're doing exactly as well... Uh, in the equivalent fixtures, as, as we did last year. And last year was a fantastic season. So if we, can, if we can do the same again, then I think everyone will be pretty happy.
0: Brilliant. All right, well, speaking of fixtures, there are some tough ones coming up for the Irons. You've got Liverpool, Chelsea and Man City again in your next six games. Crikey. How confident are you feeling? Really confident.
5: I mean, I mean, I think we've we've shown that we can give anyone a game at the moment. That again, pe- people keep asking, like, what, what is it about this West Ham side that that is you know what's what's the secret, what's the trick? And I think that ultimately, every single player has got something to prove. And probably Moyes, above above all else, is is, is trying to prove something. He's trying to prove that he really you know does deserve to be talked about as one of the the best managers in in, in the Premier League era. You've got Antonio, who's, who's who wants to be center forward, and he's proving that he is. You've got Ben Rama and Bowen trying to prove that they can step up from from the Championship and be proper Premier League players, and, they, and they're doing that. I, ju- I just think across the board, you've got hungry players that that are, are giving absolutely everything in every single game, and you know. We, One of our favourite things to do as a club is to get absolutely hammered by Manchester City's B team in the Cup. And I think three or four times they've, they've, they've put five or six behind. I think Negredo once scored four goals against us in, in the Carling Cup a while back. And what we saw last night was completely different. It was, it was a, a real team that are fighting for each other. And so far are, are not looking like they're going to burn out. There is this real kind of like A and B team vibe between the Cups and the league. So yeah, there, there'll be plenty of well-rested players on Sunday.
1: Benji, I've seen some stuff on social media where West Ham and City fans are kind of congratulating each other today and, and talking about some sort of like alliance like you get in Serie A, like the, your your friends as clubs. Is this true? That's, that's the first I've heard of it. I've been misled by Twitter, what a what a
5: sensation. <laughs> well, one one thing that was quite um that I've seen floating around social media this morning is that there's been a list. Uh, released of the most handsome players in the Premier League, according to math. And actually, this, 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 this is this is According of to math? Different. I think they're sort of applying golden parameters? triangles. Yeah, I think they're looking at, you know, the, the symmetry and the and the golden ratios within Premier League footballers' faces. And a West oh, Ham right. player is number one. I'll, I'll tell you who it is in a second. But last night, it was kids for a quid at West Ham, right? So he's lots right. of teenagers. Um, right. So it's a, full, it's a full house. This is more sort of like, you know... Weird up is down. West Ham are well-run football club. News. They they've been doing this for a little while, whereby they they fill up cup games by letting in people under eighteen uh, in for a pound. And they were swooning at Jack Grealish uh, doing his warm ups, which was which, which was great fun. But it's not Jack Grealish. He is not number one. But the number one player was on the pitch.
0: It was a West Ham player. So was It's
5: a West Ham player. According to maths, so you have to just think 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 mathematically.
0: West Ham. So the mode. Hold on. Hold on. Who
1: looks like a
5: parallelogram? <laughs> I'd imagine it's like who's got the most symmetrical face
0: yeah it's going to be oh, yeah. oh it might be Ariola. actually he's got a really symmetrical face Ooh. or is it it's not nows, he's all over the shop <laughs> <laughs> uh, Picasso <laughs> funny enough yeah, I was very thinking much. of Four were you thinking of maybe it's Four yeah Nails. that was going to be, oh, oh maybe
2: ben Rama. Mm. No, he's a good-looking boy,
5: though, isn't he?
0: But we're not talking about looks. So we're talking it about symmetry. Is it, is, it, are we? is
5: it Lanzini?
0: Is it Cresswell?
5: It's Issa Diop, which sort of makes sense. He's like he's got a lovely face, and he's and he's got a big smile, and we've got. But the list, the list. I mean, I personally have always sort of assumed that Edison Cavani is the most handsome man in football. Um, but mm. actually, thinking about it, maybe I think Dominic Calvert Lewin is probably should be up there. But none of none of them. Yes. No, Ronaldo isn't there. But yeah, it's a Diop number one. So take that.
3: Wow, everything's coming up Millhouse for West Ham at the moment.
5: I, I was quite surprised. How, Grealish, like he clearly is this real heartthrob now, right? And I mean, is he? I don't. He's not. Well, he's got yeah, great Yeah, Mrs. Hair. Grealish,
0: sixty-nine.
2: <laughs> is it because uh, so if it, if it's to a symmetry and you have a beard yeah. like Jack Grealish, it has to be absolutely Ooh. perfect. And if there's like a mm. you know a hair out of place than that sort yeah, of Yeah, well, I, I would rating. say
1: Allison. Allison is good. Looking, oh, he's but his beard is, nice. is quite, you know, I wouldn't say it's symmetrical. It's tough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but it's incredibly well-groomed, that beard. Mm. Mm.
5: Well, Brazilian goalkeepers, mm. Edison, has absolutely shot himself in the foot by having a smiley face tattoo on one side of his face, which is impossible to replicate on the other. Um, right. Yeah, there you go.
0: Well, it's not impossible, but ill-advised, I, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. <laughs> Maybe what you could do is have a kabuki style, smiling on one side and then unhappy on the other. All right, then. Benji, I feel you probably need to move on at this point. So many thanks for bringing thanks. to us all the magic and drama of uh, Wednesday night at the London Stadium. And good luck at Villa this weekend.
5: All right, nice one. Thanks, Jimbo.
0: Just one quick uh, line on Villa.
1: Um, been an up and down season for them but their fans might like to know that Tyrone Mings and Lionel Messi have got the same league record this season, four shots on target and no goals so um, <laughs> not sure that happens very often so it's something to latch onto
0: Absolutely we'll, we'll see what this weekend's fixture against West Ham does to those numbers
3: A little quirk there, I was thinking as well, in that semi-final that Benji referenced, the Negredo one, the other semi-final that year was David Moyes' Man United losing to Sunderland and that being held up as you know the buffoonery of Moyes. And just thinking on that, how with Solskjaer, it seems like there is no one who thinks he should still be the United manager and that's kind of held up as evidence that he must go. But how many people would have thought, Bringing Moyes back was a good appointment. And I'm not saying that means Solskjaer should stay, but it is just quite interesting that, I mean, the perceived wisdom of Moyes was that he was such a busted flush. I mean, it's great. When they made that appointment, everyone thought, what are you doing? How are you bringing this guy back? The most unimaginative appointment imaginable. And, And look at them now.
0: It's almost like all our certainties in football are, but castles made of sand with the tide coming in. Well, you mentioned Sunderland. Uh, Charlie, they are through to the quarterfinals of this year's competition. They beat QPR on Tuesday in another of those shootouts. So lots of them, four games going to penalties. West Ham, of course, over Man City. The Sunderland game at uh, Loftus Road. Also Leicester beating Brighton and Chelsea. Second round in a row that they needed penalties to uh, go through. Uh, This time after a 1-1 at Stamford Bridge with Southampton, uh, they made it through with once again, Rhys James scoring the winning penalty. Crikey. Meantime, Arsenal beat Leeds. Liverpool beat Preston. Both of those were 2-0. Spurs bested Burnley by a single goal. That was from Lucas Moura. The first goal in absolutely ages. So we'll hear more from Charlie about that soon enough. And Brentford beat Stoke. Uh, 2-1. Ivan Tony with the winner. Wide open now though, isn't it? Wide open because Man City are out.
1: It's going to be odd seeing the Carabao Cup lifted by a team other than the Man City. What's Phil Foden going to do about his dog? Because that's called Carabao. Um, is he going to rename it? I was trying to think of an alternative like Rexit. Sounds a bit like a dog's name. but um,
2: He should have to hand it over. He should have to hand it over to whoever wins, the whoever yeah. lifts the Carabao Cup, and then it just gets passed around.
1: Yeah, like Steve Morrow get, gets handed off <laughs> on someone's shoulders uh, at the end of the game. Yeah, that'd be good.
3: Duncan, I was hoping for for some, uh, the last time City lost a Carabao Cup game style content from you.
1: Do you know what? It's actually you they two were the... top of the pops. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mozart was, no. Um, <laughs> they actually lost one of the semi-final second legs a couple of years ago. So ah. it kind of, it's one of those that ruins that stat technically. Lost a
3: tie, but, people can okay. say, can't they?
0: Liverpool among the favourites at this time uh, did anyone see their game at Preston North End?
1: I watched Nods. the second
0: half yes did Which you? Was... oh so you caught yes. Divock Origi's outrageous back heel flick
1: yeah it was um, I was trying to think what it reminded me of and I think bullet time from the Matrix was the closest I could, could get to it kind of the ball looped up and he managed to do a sort of slow motion chipped scorpion kick it, it was genuinely a new type of New
0: type of finish. Um. Well, I, um, we, we were talking about a pretty special scorpion kick on Tuesday, in Tuesday's Euro show scored by FC Grunigen down at the bottom end of the Eredivisie. Mm. But this was, for me, more impressive just because it was so unbelievably instantaneously improvised.
2: I'd say it was more of a horse kick than a scorpion kick. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs>
3: Yeah, it, it did have a certain nonchalance. I was thinking as well with Origi, again, kind of like meaningless coincidences, but his, that goal he scored against Everton, possibly his most famous goal, was off a kind of miscued, I don't even know what that was from Van Dyke that hit the bar and then he poked it in. And this came from a, a miscued cross that hit the bar. And then there he was again, Johnny on the spot.
0: Bingo. Anything else grab your attention, Charlie? We'll be hearing from you about Spurs and Arsenal soon enough. Although, uh, a shout-out to Callum Chambers, who scored with his first touch after coming on as a sub uh, in their victory, and then ran over to embrace uh, Arsenal's set-piece coach, who told him that he would score with his first touch of the ball. I find that kind of story so intriguing. Do you think set-piece coaches and their ilk just say that randomly (laughs) to everyone who's coming
1: on? Yeah, you don't hear that when it doesn't work, do you? They're like fortune tellers.
0: But he might be really, really sensitive, this guy. In which case, what a valuable asset to have, Nicholas Jover.
3: It, it would be quite funny in a post-match interview where that hasn't happened to be like, "Yeah, good performance from Yeah, yeah. The set piece coach said I'd score my first touch. Obviously, it didn't happen. Then, but I'm just <laughs> letting you know that it, it's he, he really did yeah. say yeah. That information.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought Inketti's goal was pretty incredible. Um, I mean, the setup, yes. the setup was amazing, wasn't it? But then, um, yeah, nearly, the nearly popped it finished. off. <laughs>
1: We should probably um, call out Kepper as well, who once again is turning himself into a kind of specialist penalty shootout goalkeeper, um, which I think is quite amusing. Because if you are someone who didn't know anything about football what they think the the most expensive goalkeeper in the history of football should be good at, they'd probably go penalty shootouts. But Ryan. us experts know it's a lottery. But um, he's uh, <laughs> obviously he's going to get some game time, and Mendy's at the African Cup of Nations. So uh, yeah, it's um, I think he. He's good as a sort of incredibly luxury second choice keeper. I quite like him. Though.
3: It's very Chelsea, that isn't it? You spend, you break the record, spend a huge amount of money, and then he becomes a sort of deluxe reserve, a bit like Timo Werner. But also, I mean, because uh, Kepper was the guy who was, uh, sorry, wanted to take off, didn't he, for the League Cup final, and he Certainly refused for, for the shootout, and he refused to mm. go off.
0: Yeah, that one didn't work out as well for him, though. No. Mm. Uh, Charlie, we'll hear from you about Spurs and a bit more Arsenal uh, shortly as we move on to the Premier League. So, Mr Klopp, what's been troubling you? Well, it's a very important time of the year, and I'm worried we're not going to be able to get the most out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of big games coming up. Games? No, oh, I'm talking about Oktoberfest, Sauerkraut, Steins, Lederhosen, the one time Germany comes to England, yeah! Sometimes it can seem like they don't know what they're doing, but with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting das Beste rewards, like money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy power. Pre-match bet, but a bets, only min odds 1 to 5 per leg, min 4 plus legs, max free bet £10 per day, excludes enhanced match odds on an exclusive decency supply, 18 plus, becamberaware.org.
4: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around.
0: It's round 10 of the Premier League season coming up this weekend, which is also Halloween weekend. Might want to factor that into any of your funditry. <laughs> Saturday, Leicester take on Arsenal in the early kickoff. Then at three o'clock, Burnley-Brentford, Liverpool, Brighton, Man City Palace, Newcastle, Chelsea and Watford Saints. And then your tea time treat is Spurs Man United. Sunday then, Norwich Leeds. We'll hear about the Canaries a little bit later on. And Aston Villa West Ham. But back up, let's talk about Spurs Man United. First of all, a lot of talk on Monday night that Oli was going to be on his way with the, that Antonio Conte coming in. But he's still there, still at the wheel for this game here. And uh, yeah, that's the situation, Charlie Hay.
3: Yes, the uh, the battle of the two under fire managers in kind of uh, differing extents. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone or most people think that Solskjaer is quite lucky to still be in the job. But then, you know, a couple of, only a couple of weeks before we were hearing that he would definitely get the season and United win it for the long haul. So, you know, we, we criticise clubs for being knee-jerk. If they genuinely believe that Oli is the right man for the job, then they feel, I guess, they shouldn't be derailed by a couple of, albeit, disastrous results. Um, but yeah, it, it does feel like one where both teams desperately, desperately
0: can't afford to lose this game. Right. Although... it. Again, it wasn't that long ago. We were talking about how amazing it was that Spurs were up in fifth place just outside the top four positions. And aren't they more or less where you would have expected given their summer of turmoil? Yeah, and, and I
3: think that's actually what's interesting about it. If you look at it in the round, they're sixth. They would have gone fourth with a point at West Ham, which you know they could easily have got. It wasn't like it was um, anything other than a close game. So they are probably about par. I think there are quite a few factors with that. One is that the football has been pretty uninspiring. Um, fans of all have not really warmed to Nuno that much. The feeling that he was, well, and the knowledge that he was far from the first choice. Um, the kind of sense that he's a bit of a Mourinho disciple. And yeah, the fact that the football just hasn't been especially entertaining. And, and every game has every game they've won has been by a single goal. So it's kind of, all their games have been quite close. It hasn't felt like they've swept anyone away and really a kind of part of this big grand plan. It more feels week to week. But yeah, it it may be that some of the criticism has been unfair um, on him because results-wise it's been fine. And given how early he is in his time there, he he should be given... um, time to put his imprint across. I think the fear is that people don't really know what that imprint will be. Um, mm. there's, there's no, you know, put, people point to Pochettino starting quite slowly when he was Spurs manager, but at least people could see, okay, this guy's trying to implement a lot of new ideas. That's quite hard for the players to take on board. You don't really get that sense as of yet with Nuno, which I think if there
0: was, then fans would have a bit more, would give him a bit more leeway. All right. I, what, what they suspect maybe his foot was going to be is quite... Uh, light on goals uh, Lucas Moura scoring this Wednesday it was, that was their first goal in over 280 minutes of football uh, at Burnley
3: yeah creating chances has been an issue and for a long long time now anyone but Kane uh, and Son so scoring has been a big issue I mean own goal along with Gareth Bale outside of Bale, son and Kane has been one of their top scorers since the start of last season so right kind of tells its own story
0: yeah uh, ha- Harry Kane had one shot If we can call it that, which I think was ended closer to the corner flag than the goal? A
3: little, this is an unpopular opinion, but Mm. I actually don't feel like Kane is a million miles away from going on one of his runs. He scored against Newcastle, then against West Ham put in a really good header that was well saved, put in a beautiful pass for Son that if Son had finished, it would have been an assist. And then yesterday, Kane played in Lacelso with one of just such a smart pass that Lacelso Celso really should have scored. And I think then we could be talking about Kane's back. You know, the goals are back, the assists are back. I don't think he's that far. At least he's now getting in the positions to score and provide goals. Whereas for the few weeks before, I mean, those kind of viral heat maps that were showing him, you know, kind of out on the left touchline, uh, he wasn't even doing that. So I, I do, th- I, I wouldn't be a, that surprised if he goes on goes on a streak fairly soon
0: well that's nice for harry uh, meantime though charlie something that you wrote about on the athletic this week what's happened to delhi who along mm. with harry winks was left out of the squad completely uh, for the trip to turf Moor?
3: yeah lots of differing theories about that um but it has been a pretty steep decline <sighs> some people think it's a physical thing some people think it's a situation changing when he got a big new contract in 2018 and You know, all of a sudden that both two things, both that ended his chance of getting a big money move away to a club like Real Madrid, which that might seem fanciful now, but that was really being talked about at the time. Then also, you know, he went from being this kind of breakout star to suddenly very established. And around that time, he picked up injuries as well. Obviously, Pochettino left. He's also not the only one. You know, you look at a lot of those players and there's been a steep, steep decline from that time. And, you know, lots of it, I think, is the Pochettino factor.
0: This was an issue under Mourinho but then Nuno coming in was supposed to be a fresh start and and it it did begin very well for him. He started all the first six Premier League games under Nuno but basically since being subbed off at half-time against Arsenal, nothing.
3: And, and, And Nuno tried to play him in this kind of withdrawn central midfield role and it worked okay for the first few games, the first three games really. Daddy was kind of solid and put a shift in and did a lot of fouling quite frankly like he was in this kind of um running foul role which was a bit unedifying <laughs> given he'd emerge as this you know world-class goal-scoring midfielder and that is kind of the problem I mean talking to people who who you know closes to the situation there, there's been a sense that and and you want to be careful of rewriting history because he was an unbelievable talent is an unbelievable talent but those goals he wasn't someone who was putting who was consistently performing amazingly uh his all-round game anyway but he would always pop up invariably with a spectacular goal or moment every few games so you couldn't take your eyes off him and you allowed the fact that he would give the ball away he tried stuff because when you've got someone who's scoring goals like that it's like well you know he's a bit of a maverick he can do that it's easy to forget how good he was a so young player mm. of the year in his first 2 seasons in the premier league finished his third Incredible. season by scoring in a world cup quarter final like this was not High, you know a lot of people say oh yeah typical hype up an English youngster he was doing it against Real Madrid in the Champions League you know it's not this wasn't some parochial bigging up of an English player
1: there were those stats weren't there at the time where his goal contributions was you know as many as goals Beckham and Lampard combined at, at that age and stuff yeah. yeah he he was smashing all the records but I guess you know, football's not a kind of linear thing a lot of the times. So, you know, some players will enjoy a great career from 18 to, to 35, mm-hmm. but lots, you know, you look at someone like Mikel Antonio who's having a great end to his career, some players just have a great start and then and then it fades away.
0: Would a January loan to West Ham, the kind of Premier League equivalent <laughs> of a call-up from Quentin Tarantino, would that would that, you know, see him catch fire again?
3: Well, West Ham was the one that we were talking about this time last year, but now... Newcastle were kind of you know, the front runners mm. but, in, but but I mean in a kind of paint by numbers sort of way I imagine Newcastle will be being linked with a whole host of players
2: All I just right. feel like didn't the decline start before Mourinho though um, because wasn't the narrative especially on All or Nothing was that Mourinho had actually revitalised him wasn't it and mm. he's getting the best out of him by basically insulting him telling him he's lazy and then <laughs> and he kind of had a little uptick didn't he
3: don't get me started on that all or nothing. But yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> it did start sooner. I mean, he signed the new contract in October 2018, then picked up a couple of injuries. And actually the second half of that season, under which was Pochettino's final full season, was pretty interrupted by injuries. Then, yeah, exactly that. He, the, the narrative was that, because he did, he started really well, scored four goals in Mourinho's first four games. And it was all like Mourinho's done it again, like he's found
0: a way. Uh, and then that didn't really last. Hmm. In broader terms, Spurs against Man United almost a year ago, ooh, a little bit over a year ago, actually, was the 6-1 at Old Trafford for Spurs. But then more recently, when United pitched up at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, they won 3-1. Uh, which way do we all think this one's going to go?
2: Nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, yeah, it does feel different, though, from this time last year when they... Lost six one to Spurs because obviously they recovered from that pretty well, managed just to mm. finish second. But that Liverpool result last weekend just felt much more toxic in terms of obviously the fans were there, um, mm. and I'm not sure. It seems like the players are sort of turning a little bit more, and also just the fact that I just wonder if you know Sir Alex Ferguson is still hanging around. Is that is this a good thing? <laughs> I'm not sure if he's still there. Turning up was, at the
0: training ground this week. Mm.
2: Yeah, and kind of almost, it, it's got the vibes of, like, your mum telling your big brother to then play with you, you know. Um, <laughs> just, I'm not sure if it's its its very good, um, but I suppose, you know, whoever comes in, Sir Alex, will still be in the stands with a camera on him. Hopefully so, Robin, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, this fixture's obviously historically got the potential to be amazing, it's, you know, that 3-0 up to 5-3 down Spurs game back in the day, but that was a very different Manchester United team. I mean, of all the 20 Premier League teams, if you look at all competitions, United have kept one clean sheet in their last 20, which is the worst of any side. So their defence is just not very good. Um, they're, they're too open. But then Spurs have got a lower open play XG this season than, than Newcastle and, and Watford. So it's kind of a, a misfiring attack against a very bad defence. So as, as Robin said, probably nil-nil, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right,
3: a, a, a draw feels safe given that it's not a disaster for either team. Should use that Duncan's reference there to that five-three to plug a piece of, that's going up tomorrow on the kind of history of the Spurs-Tottenham rivalry. I mean that that uh, is the starting point because that's twenty years ago, uh, twenty years ago and a month. That five-three, and then there's also been the fight that zany five-two, the Pedro Mendes, Roy Carroll, uh, lots and lots of fun. Wasn't there
1: known? William Prunier as well? Pops up, that was
3: like before. That was the yeah. That was the four-one. Uh, yeah. January ninety-six
0: one. Yeah. Wow. Stand by for more madcap treats like that uh, this time around at the Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> Stadium. Spurs actually the only Premier League side yet to draw a game this season. Very much all or nothing. If, huh. In fact, if they do yeah. lose, uh,
1: if they do lose against yes. United, yeah. Um, Nuno will become only the second Spurs manager to lose five of his first uh, 10 Premier League games after Christian Gross, which is not the comparison you want as a Tottenham manager.
0: Will he be taking the tube home as a punishment? Right. Going down the tube, certainly, according to many Spurs fans, etc., and so on. Meantime, the big three Chelsea, Liverpool, and City they all play at the same time behind the three o'clock blackout this weekend. Newcastle will be hosting Chelsea Liverpool. Get a visit from Brighton while Man City host Palace. Three points all round for them, do you think? Or are there surprises in store and if so, where? For example, did you know that Chelsea have lost five of their last eight visits to St James's Park? Or that Brighton took four points off Liverpool last season and were victorious at Anfield in February? Got nothing about City. They basically do really well against Palace. All
1: week. <laughs> well, not always.
3: Well,
0: they there was lost... that that Andros
3: Townsend.
1: Was, yeah. Wasn't there? Oh, yeah. There is a there yeah, is that right. actually of City's last fifty Premier League games at three o'clock on a Saturday, they've won forty three of them and drawn six. The only defeat was that was that Andros Townsend game. Um, Palace are a little bit of a bogey team for City, talking of all or nothing, the, the previous all or nothing, the City one, do you remember they had to hype up the drama by mm-hmm. claiming that City dropping points at Palace at New Year was, you know, a title in danger. That lead shredded to 14 points. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, obviously Vieira, ex-City player at the end of his career, it, there is a, there are a few <laughs> little, little storylines there and, and Palace, they haven't won many games. Um, they just draw sure. the, the, the reverse spurs. Just, just one, draw I think. Every match. Yeah, mm. but um, you know, I think they've got the potential to give City a little bit of, a few problems anyway. So
0: City have yet to concede a single goal at home this season in the Premier League. They haven't conceded any goals in the first half of matches either. Robin, you have been watching a lot of Newcastle.
2: Yes, so I watched, um, that, it's weird, so I watched. Their, I did their game for match today at Watford where they were seriously unlucky only to draw mm. that one. Um, remember the Jacob Murphy going mm. through and the wonderful local radio commentary from um, John Anderson.
4: It's Jacob Murphy released, Murphy one-on-one, Jacob Murphy to win it, oh, oh no, just put no, it
2: in the net! No. Absolutely wonderful, I really, I really should have used that line. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, did, did the game against Palace last week and they looked slightly more solid, but still no clean sheets this season, Newcastle. And it took Callum Wilson to put in an overhead kick for them to sort of get a point against a really wasteful Crystal Palace side. Uh, Graham Jones is in now. Um, I think probably the owners are hoping that he can sort of steady the ship a little bit until they find the manager they actually want because at the moment they need a manager that's going to get them out of relegation trouble and um the names that usually crop up probably not the ones that they would like to appoint at the moment mm. anyway uh, Ron by the way
0: which which commentators do you do you kind of look to for inspiration which do you think have, have, have kind of formed your your flow
2: um when I was small um, and yeah. watching, it was—I'm still small, but um, when, I'm, when I was younger, um, it was Jonathan Pierce. I think mainly, um, uh, I think uh, his enthusiasm and his—you can always tell it was him. Um, and also, on, I, I just think I collect was my
0: eyebrows off the ceiling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and also, the Robot Wars was my I'm era surprised. as well. Yeah, yeah. he was uh...
1: okay. Famously listed in the credits for The Sopranos, isn't he, Jonathan Pierce? Because he's there's a. There's, there episode, Wars in the- there's a robot not There's episode where Robot Wars is
2: on
0: in the background. So um. it's true. <laughs> amazing! All right, so Jonathan Pearce.
2: Yes, he was the main one. I think. Uh, yeah, I remember, just remember there was a video of him. I think falling off his chair when he was commentating on Alan Shearer for England, and that he was my favourite player. And we just used to, um, we just used to, yeah, do the fall um, off the chair. Bit. <laughs> 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 I can't even remember. But I mean, yeah, I mean, from a personal point of view, it's quite incredible that. I can chat to him and he gives me advice and he's, he's always been really, really kind to me. He's he's, he's lovely. I know he divides opinion. No, um, like every commentator, no, I think he's actually, a, he's a
0: lovely chat and he's so steeped. I mean, you you mm-hmm. cut him, he would bleed football literally. <laughs> and um, he, he's extraordinary how he's and his love of the game infuses everything. Just stylistically, I wasn't expecting that to have been your inspirational. although I think it's you know perfectly credible. Shout out to you, Jonathan. Uh, good right Uh, we haven't mentioned Brighton quickly then this is Liverpool's first home game in a month but they've got loads of home games coming up which is nice for them in their title race Brighton's chances of repeating last season's upset success
1: Mm, possible but not Mm. yeah I think Brighton have kind of reversed themselves from last season haven't they They've, they've got a really low XG now, but they've been pulling out results, so they've kind of de-Brightonised to a different outlook. So, and obviously their win at Anfield last season came in that run of games where Liverpool's home form and inexplicably went mad. So, I mean, on this form, you would expect Liverpool to win.
3: I like the idea that 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 Brighton XG was a philosophy, and that they really wanted to be not scoring their chances. They wanted that title <laughs> yeah. of We want we want to be the ones who understand. Look, you've got to
1: have a brand.
3: Yeah, and it it
1: did put them on the map. They're losing fans around the world.
0: (laughs) Well, it's always the way, isn't it, when an artist switches direction? But I reckon they'll they've gone mainstream. They found an interesting (laughs) scoring. Scoring. Mainstream. (laughs) We'll um, we'll talk more Premier League after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
4: You're listening to the Totally Football Show, in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite according to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's got to be good news for all you Man United fans out there, eh? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum 4 plus legs. Max free bet, £10. Excludes enhanced match shots. t and supply. It's over 18s only. And please, gamble responsibly.
0: Now, Arsenal, you, Charlie, you followed their game midweek in the Carabao Cup. Leicester is their opponent at the King Power this Saturday lunchtime. Interesting test of Arsenal's newfound form, like deer on a frozen lake. We're not sure whether to trust the going, you know, with Arsenal. I think that works. Anyway, a Leicester mighty crack snaking its way across the surface?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Arsenal in all comps have won six and drawn two of the last eight, and in the league have won four and drawn two. So they are in quite good form, but... This, you would say, is... is pro- I mean, they had the North London derby in that time. Leicester away. Obviously, Leicester finished higher than Tottenham last season. You'd put this as the hardest fixture in that bracket. So, it is... Um, Yeah, it's a big... It is a big test. Uh, two very evenly matched teams. Arsenal actually won this fixture last season. Uh, but Leicester, prior to that, had really had their number. So, yeah. I mean, Arsenal are weird because a bit like, you know, you were saying with Tottenham that there's been a degree of... Flip-flopping because the first few games it looked good with Arsenal obviously had the opposite where they were, you know, being completely written off having lost their first three games. Then they've had a better run. But in amongst that, they did draw at home with Crystal Palace thanks to a last minute goal, at which point it was back to this Arsenal team's going nowhere, Arteta's useless. So, yeah, I, I think this will be very revealing. Obviously, their last game against Aston Villa, Arsenal were very, very good. And, you know, they've beaten pretty much every Premier League team under Arteta in not that long a period. I mean, I think it's just Everton and Brentford who Arteta hasn't beaten. Um, City was actually in the FA Cup rather than the league. But so they are, you know, that is, does kind of justify that cliche of they can beat anyone on their day. I mean, they literally, that is true. Um, mm.
0: is, is Saturday going to be their day?
3: Well, it is just that consistency. And, and, you know, the Arsenal are one of those teams where nothing would be a, a huge surprise. Like if they did go and, you know, Saka and Smith-Rowe were good and they won, you'd be like, well, yeah, of course, they've got these two elite young talents. Likewise, if they went and got played off the park, you'd be like, well, yeah, that's what Arsenal do. Brentford did it to them earlier this season. So right. That's I have no idea, for, basically.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine. We'll wait, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens and talk about it on on Monday. Although Duncan...
1: Yeah, it's just they. it feels like, as Charlie was saying, that... They, on their day they're good but you can kind of tell if it's their day or not 10 minutes in and there's not really any way that they change it it's kind of set in stone and like against, against Villa they look really good and all the, the young players played really well and I think they seem to perform better at the Emirates at the moment um, they've only had nine shots on target away from home in the Premier League this season which is four fewer than Mo Salah has on his own so um, huh. I think they'll, they'll be a bit cagey again at, at Leicester but, but Leicester themselves are pretty inconsistent so yeah no one can tell
2: I was going to say, Le- Leicester Leicester still look a bit vulnerable, actually, especially defensively in mean, the cups and the and the league, um, and also for Duncan Alexander ap- apologists. Jamie Vardy was taken off at half time, wasn't he, against Brentford?
0: Well, yeah, with a knee Very knock, much so. knee knock. So he's in doubt. And hubris, this a knock, I he... think it was <laughs> strained. his Hubris, hubris knock, was it? Mm. So was that just a polite explanation that was given that he might have a a knee?
1: Well, he barely touched the ball, which is pretty much what he does all the time now. Mm. But, but when he, he does touch it... Well, he has got a good record against Arsenal. Mm. Um, he's got 11 Premier League goals against them. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, yeah, hit, that's a big
3: swing, isn't it? That him and Ben White, who came off for Arsenal and with illness, and so he's a doubt, if Vardy's a doubt, if one or both
0: of them plays,
3: that could, that could tilt things mm. quite
0: substantially. All right. Stand by for Saturday lunchtime, we discover... FX is welcome to Rexham. All new. Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
4: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on the athletic. This is the Totally
0: Football Show with James Richardson. Sleepy Norwich, crossroads of history, everyone. Boudicca's tribe, the Iceni, had their capital. Quite near here. A Britain's first provincial newspaper, the Norwich Post, appeared here in 1701. In 1976 that pioneering spirit was again on show when Motum Road in Norwich became the third street in Britain to be equipped with sleeping policemen. The football club have had a dramatic time of it too. Winners of two Football League Cups finished third in the inaugural Premier League in 1993. They also once eliminated a famous German side Bayern Munich from the UEFA Cup. Currently there is a fair chance that Norwich are about to make history again as the worst Premier League side ever heading for their fourth relegation in the last nine seasons. Perhaps never as today has the town's Boudicca-like war cry of
5: Let's be having you!
0: been as needed. Uh, we're joined now on the line by Dan Brigham, Norwich fan, former member of the Norwich organisation. Hello, Dan. Hi, James. Nice to meet you. And you too. How, how's the mood there?
6: Uh, <laughs> well, it's uh, overriding sort of feeling of General sadness, I think. It's not quite turned uh, too violent yet. It's just a sort of that sort of sense of sadness that once mm. again things are starting to unravel.
0: A sort of resignation settling in.
6: Yeah, a, a little bit. Maybe not quite this at this stage yet, uh, just because of the usual hope that football fans have. Although it was interesting to see This morning, our sporting director Stuart Weber come out with a rallying cry, which after nine games doesn't really leave you sort of too many places to go after this. So we've we've gone early with with that. So there's a sort of already that sort of sense of resignation, maybe coming from from the club, but and Mm. from some of the fan base as well, which uh, is only natural after what are we nine games in with two goals, two points, and minus twenty-one goal difference.
0: Right. I mean, feel free to say no, absolutely not. But is that Is there almost a perverse desire to see Norwich set the worst ever figures? If you're going to go, go big. Well, if we are going to go there, I mean, I know that
6: Nottingham Forest fans might not enjoy hearing this, but if we're going to go down that path, then why not knock Derby County off the the bottom of the ladder if if we've got that opportunity? Because... Uh, what else have we got to play for at this stage? I it, it seems increasingly likely that we'll get sort of fourth from bottom. So why not try and get into single figures when it comes to points? I mean, last season what we ended up with ninety-seven points in the in the championship. I think so. It might be quite quite fun to end up with fewer than a hundred points across two seasons. Still, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> this. Is, but this is a, a, a thing that's been commented on the fact that when you come up you do really badly and then you go down to the the, the the championship and do brilliantly so the the last four seasons including this one so far first in the championship 20th in the premier league first in the championship and now 20th in the premier league again what is it that means that you can't make that push on when I mean other clubs come up and they do sure and
6: what we talk a lot about sort of sustainability model of the club we very much spend within our means we don't have a um, we don't have a lot of money behind us. Our owners aren't as rich as anyone else in the, in, in the Premier League and in across a lot of championship clubs as well. So we rely on bringing through young players and, and selling them on, as we've done with Ben Godfrey and Emery um, Buendia. But this season it, it is a little different. We spent over £50 million pounds in, the, in the summer, which is more than Brentford has spent and more than Watford has spent, who, you know, despite Watford sack and their manager, have got off to a better start than we have. And Brentford are obviously impressing uh, lots of people in the Premier League, so it is a slightly different story this season. But the issue with uh, the recruitment, even though we spend a lot of money, I'm watching these players um, and thinking, well, they're not maybe not quite good enough for the Premier League, but they're going to be excellent in the Championship next season to get us back up, and and then for therefore the cycle just
0: continues. Sisyphusian, I would call that. Is there is there a, a, a gathering kind of? finger of responsibility pointed at, at the manager Daniel Farker there is uh, Norwich I suppose is
6: maybe kind of a little different to other clubs because our sporting director is so public facing Stuart Weber, so there is criticism his way as well because the recruitment really didn't work in our previous Premier League season and the recruitment so far and you know let's remind ourselves it is still early days isn't quite working yet so it, it splits which I guess helps both of those guys, but doesn't really help the club as a whole. But what I would say is that, although some people are calling for, quite a lot of people are now calling for Farker to go, there's not a lot of sort of vitriol behind it, sort of compared to the last time that happened under Chris Houghton when everyone was just sort of fed up with the kind of football that um, had us wishing we'd never got into football as kids and maybe took up crochet or, or golf instead. This time, Daniel has given us, you know, three really great well two really great seasons where we've played really entertaining football so people sort of calling for his head are doing it with a sort of twinge of sadness rather than the twinge of sort of glee behind it so yeah there is pressure on him um we've got a run of sort of winnable winnable games or in as far as we can win games we've got sort of five winnable games coming up now and I think if the first two of those which are Leeds and Brentford go badly then there's going to be an enormous amount of pressure on the board to take action
0: any signs of life? Have you have you detected any green shoots
6: well, ahead of the clash with Leeds? Maybe sort of slightly browning shoots, I suppose, just popping through with we had two goalless draws against, um, which doesn't sound particularly glamorous, uh, two goalless draws against Burnley and then Brighton in which we competed and we looked like we belonged to this level and got that momentum. But then when you go and lose 7-0 the following week, that kind of, uh, that takes an enormous dump on any sort of no- momentum. So, um, but if we take it sort of as a big picture, yeah, we, we were competing in the two previous games against that. We'd look like we'd got a solid back five that competed at the Premier League level, um, and we were sort of working our way into building a little bit of play that could also perhaps increase our number of goals uh, above two. So, that yeah, there, are, there were shoots. So if you kind of accept Chelsea as being, uh, well, that can happen to any club, and you only have to look at the next mm. day when uh, Man United were hammered by Liverpool, it can happen. And we have been beaten by that before when surviving in the Premier League. So if you look at the bigger picture, yeah, we were competing in the previous couple of games. But you just it's impossible to know what that what a 7-0 defeat does to the confidence. And it wasn't just a 7-0 defeat. It was almost as gutless as when we lost 6-0 at Craven Cottage on the last day of the season, needing a point to stay up, which is one of the most sort of gutless displays in Premier League history. So we've really set the uh, bar high on that. Uh, but
0: we're not quite there yet. But uh, <laughs> there's a long season ahead. Mm. Dan, listen, best of luck with the game against Leeds on Sunday or alternatively with the crotcheting afterwards. Yep, I'll I'll, I'll be Googling crotcheting straight after this. Dan Brigham from Norwich. By the way, uh, this is the first Premier League meeting between these two clubs at Carroll Road in 27 years. Takes you all the way back to October 1994 when Neil Adams scored a 90th-minute winner for the Canaries do you know what was number one, Charlie? It's annoying that I know the answer because I would have I would have
3: quite liked trying to guess. You know what, I, pr- I might... I don't know if I would have guessed this. I might have thought it was uh, Ace of
0: Base, something like that. Hmm. Happily not, no. <laughs> what was it, though?
2: <laughs> Burn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was
3: it Saturday Night by Wigfield?
0: Of course it was. Saturday Night. Norwich in last place as Dan mentioned they're two points from nine games Newcastle and Burnley the other two sides in the bottom three they're on four points and you've got a a four point buffer before you get to Leeds in 17th place Uh, this weekend Burnley will be hosting Brentford while Newcastle get that visit from Chelsea Burnley-Brentford by the way which is Saturday at three o'clock and that is the nine year anniversary of Sean Dyche taking charge of the Clarets In English League football, only Simon Weaver of Harrogate Town and one Gareth Ainsworth of Wiccan Wanderers have been in charge of their club for longer. Wow.
2: They're just so inextricably linked, aren't they, Burnley and Sean Dyche? I can't imagine him really anywhere else and I can't really imagine Burnley being managed by anyone else. Yeah,
0: this blows your your mind when you you remember, or read about it for the first time as I did, uh, that Dyche took over from Eddie Howe and Mm. he himself had been at Watford. Yeah, I find Eddie Howe being his predecessor so, so strange.
3: Mm. So odd to, such um, <laughs> divergent philosophies.
0: Right.
1: The up and coming Eddie Howe.
0: It's, it's quite a classic Burnley season, this one. They're in the bottom three on an incredible mm. winless run. But everyone's still pretty confident that come the spring, mm. they'll suddenly start knocking goals. Hey, Maxwell Corney looks a bit of a change, a shift to their paradigm, as it were.
1: Well, he's the only player that's scored for them in the Premier League since he made his debut, so he's doing his bit. Um, I don't know. We, we've said before this does feel Burnley feel like they're in a bit more danger this season than than previous campaigns. I think so. Mm. This game at home to Brentford, although Brentford have, have done very well, um, feels like a really big one for for Burnley and for Deitch. Um, and Burnley aren't going to get rid of Deitch, but this could be the the End times, there'll be no more eating worms on the training pitch anymore.
0: <laughs> I've forgotten about the eating worms, just remind me what the background of that was. So, Soren
1: Anderson claimed that that um, Diet used to during training just pick up earthworms and eat them. Um, but Diet said it was just a bit of banter that he'd done at, at Burnley and Watford as well. You get a nice big, juicy right. worm hanging out your mouth, look as if you're chewing it. We've all done that. Then spit it out and wash your mouth out with water. It was a bit of banter and, and Sorin has probably taken it too far. And then he ended, for the record, I definitely don't eat worms and I never did. So. <laughs> and I never will. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say if you've got one hanging out your mouth, you've, you've morally eaten a worm. But
0: Yeah. I mean, you've all but eaten a worm.
2: In and around. Yeah. yeah. In and around, yeah.
0: Remarkable. Uh, ooh, big blow for Brentford ahead of that clash with the uh, goalkeeper David Raya out for four to five months. He did his knee against Leicester last Sunday. Fellow Spaniard Alvaro Fernandez, who they signed on loan from Huesca this summer, is expected to step in between the sticks for what is the first ever top division meeting between these two clubs. Crikey. Also this weekend, just to wrap this part of the show up, uh, Watford are up against Southampton. Watford, eh? 5-0 losers, then 5-2 winners. What what have you got for them this time, Robin?
2: Tricky one, um, Mm. because I've seen Watford quite a lot and it seems their defence is very bad. (laughs) And under Ranieri at the moment, anyway, that doesn't really seem to have changed. I know they won against Everton, but conceded a couple of pretty terrible goals. Like Burnley, this is a very big chance for them because Southampton just look a bit... I don't know, it's a bit dirge, aren't they, this season? You don't, don't mm. really feel like they're going anywhere particularly. They'll probably be all right, but that's probably about the extent of the excitement for them. So, yeah, big game for Watford and Ranieri. Mm.
0: Watford are the fouliest team in the Premier League this season. Did you know that? They also
3: have the most mm. fouled individual, unless unless oh. that changed with the Man United-Liverpool game, um, Ismail Ah. Would you believe it? Just on that kind of this being quite a familiar season, I was in an idle moment uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was deleting some stuff off my dictaphone and stumbled across. It turned out it was from December 2018, but it was a, no, nah, we'll be fine. We're playing well, just the results aren't there. And I was like, that that could be from any moment, any season seemingly in the last five years. And he was right. They were fine and the results did turn up. But yeah.
2: You kept that, right? You obviously kept that on your. Door. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, that's that was not getting deleted. <laughs> it's your ringtone now. Um, <laughs> Wolves Everton is Monday night. Uh Toffee's coming in off uh, two humbling home defeats in a row, but they did do the double over Wolves last season, so we'll see what happens Monday at Molineux. Uh very shortly. We'll get some important news from Barcelona and other things too. First of all, though, let's get some Paddy Power odds from Carl Monaghan with producer Charlie. Thank you, James. It is indeed producer Charlie and Carl Monaghan
4: from Paddy Power here to look at a Premier League weekend like no other. That's because the big three, TM, are all in action at the same time. Saturday, three o'clock. It's Liverpool v Brighton, Man City v Crystal Palace and Newcastle v Chelsea. Carl, in terms of acres, that's got to be the most popular three-way since, uh, since, uh, help help me,
7: Carl, I'm in trouble. The big three treble will be more popular than an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer headshot on a dartboard. Nice. But won't make you a fortune as the three-timer is short enough. Make it a four-timer, though, with more meat on the bone by throwing in an Arsenal or maybe a freakishly good Watford or even throwing spurs to let the air out of Ole's tyres for once and for all. Making it a four-timer, though, Charlie also means that our Acca insurance will click into gear. If one leg lets you down, you get your stake back in the form of a free bet. You'll be good to go again. Liverpool, of course, after their five-star performance at Old Trafford, are two to nine to see off Brighton. City eight to one on to bush aside Crystal Palace, and Tuchel's well-oiled machine are one to three to make the Magpies squawk furiously. At a four-team of your choice to boost the price.
4: Me, Tony, Henry. It's not my entire stag due at some of the players in action at Turf Moor on Saturday, as Burnley hosts Brentford. Massive game for the Clarets as they search for that first win in the Premier League, Carl.
7: Yeah, this is not going to be an easy game for Sean Dyche and his Burnley men. The Brentford boys blew Leicester away in the first half last week and were unlucky not to get something from the game. Truth is, Charlie, Brentford have been a rather large pain. In the backside for teams to play against this season and it's no surprise to see them priced up as the favourites for this one. They're 6-4 Burnley themselves are 7-4 to four and the draw is 11-5 Charlie. Worryingly though for the home side is that in recent seasons newly promoted teams are targeting the games with the Clarets to good effect. Burnley have not won any of their last five home games against promoted sides so I'd be all aboard the Brentford train this weekend Charlie as they've looked the real deal so far this season.
0: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. England women don't stop. They maintain their 100% record in World Cup qualifying with, Robin, on Tuesday, a 10-0 win against Latvia.
2: Wasn't a great watch, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs>
0: Latvia were playing our tune. Ella Toon. And she uh, scored a hat trick. Yes. Right. <laughs> Meantime that was World Cup qualifying, but England of course already qualified for the Euros and the draw for that is happening this Thursday afternoon in where? Manchester, is that right, Robin?
2: That's right, yeah, very exciting. Um all the balls drawn out the bags. Well, yeah, um that bit will be. Um I don't know how long the run up is going to be to the actual draw, as with these things, usually a bit of pomp and ceremony, usually too much, mm. but um It'll be really interesting to see who they get. Home Euros, big pressure on Serena Wiegmann and England to perform post-Neville. So, yeah, no, it'll be good to see. And, uh, yeah, first game at Old Trafford would be really, really exciting.
3: Could they double up the draw with the, the Carabao Cup one that's taking place on Soccer AM on Saturday morning?
2: I think Jimmy Bullard doing the women's Euro draw would really add something, yeah.
0: I look forward to both those draws. Speaking of women's football... You will be this week, actually, uh, Robin, weekend, because you're off to see Arsenal, Brighton in the FA Cup uh, semifinals on Sunday. That's early for FA Cup semifinals.
2: It's actually last season's FA Cup, ah. which uh, was delayed due to COVID. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's confusingly, this is the 2020-2021 uh, semifinals. So we've got uh, Manchester City against Chelsea first up on BBC. And then I'll be at Arsenal against Brighton later that day. So it should be good. Uh, Arsenal, obviously, heavy favourites. And then the final is early December for this one uh, at Wembley. And then there'll be another final for the FA Cup this season, which is already started with the lower leagues uh, in May.
0: Hopefully so, Robin. Mm, Hopefully so. All right. Big midweek around Europe. In the second round of the Pokal, the German Cup, you may have seen a full strength Bayern Munich... We're beating 5-0 and Munchen Gladbach. There was 3-0 down after 21 minutes. The biggest defeat in Pokal history for Bayern. Their biggest defeat in any competition since 1978. First time in 85 matches they failed to score. Raphael Honigstein unavailable for comment.
2: Was Nagelsmann not there? Was he was he working?
0: No, he was, was still that? in his kitchen, and I think that's I mean that's got to end now, that that kitchen analysis centre thing. And, I mean, he was he was COVID isolating, but, you know, any notion that he could just knock out this management game while whipping up some noodle, or whatever it is. Um, anyway, we'll hear from Rafa on that next Tuesday. We'll get James's thoughts on another defeat for Juventus, perhaps less of a, of a surprise. This A 2-1 at home to Sassuolo. Angry scenes at the final whistle as Pavel Nedved shouted at Andrea Agnelli. Not sure what, but James will tell us on Tuesday. Uh, in Spain, Radamel Falcao scored the only goal of the game as Rivaldo beat Barcelona, handing Barca their third defeat in four La Liga matches. And yes, that was that for Ronald Koeman. Barcelona confirming it as his dismissal as manager late Wednesday night, and they they say that they're lining up Xavi to come in and take over. We we shall see. Intriguing though, the top of the La Liga table league that only ever featured two or possibly three clubs at the top, or well, maybe four if you include Valencia, but it currently has four teams, level on 21 points, Real Madrid, fair enough, and then behind them, but only on goal difference, Sevilla, Real Betis, and Real Sociedad. And then in fifth, you've got Raya Vallecano after that defeat of Barcelona. It's extraordinary. Anyway, we'll find out more about all of that come Tuesday, but it's exciting.
3: Sevilla buoyed by a resurgent, Eric Lamella.
1: Hmm. European superclub sacking manager who was good player in nineties. Sensation.
2: Did you see um Adam Hurry's tweet? On yes,
0: the idea that was very good. <laughs> what did Adam say?
2: He says it must be sad for Koeman, obviously, but the blow softened by the fact that he will coach the Netherlands again within 18 months in <laughs> accordance with Dutch law. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny because it's true.
2: Uh, excellent. All right, then. Well, that's
0: uh, that's what happened midweek. Anybody got anything else they wanted to say to the listener before we let them go? Duncan?
1: Just as it's Halloween, a reminder that Christian oh, Benteke yeah. is the only player in Premier League history to have scored on Halloween, November the 5th, Boxing Day, New Year's Day, and his own birthday. So um, always always think of that when one of those
0: festivities rolls around. When you compiled that stat, because I mm. imagine it was you who compiled that. It was me, yes. How long did it take an extra long time because you had to factor in not just his birthday date but the date of every other?
1: No, footballer. because I've got a way of, of, of doing
0: that. But is it yeah. a computer? Is that your way?
1: I do most things on a computer. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the, the old twenty twenty, isn't it? So uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, on that bombshell, uh, that's where we sign off for today's Totally Football Show. Cheers then to Robin and Charlie and Duncan and producer Charlie and you, listener. Have a great weekend. Mind yourself trick-or-treating and we'll be back with you Monday. Bye for now.
4: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
7: The Athletic.